The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. Well, it's been, uh, it's been a real joy hanging out with you. You forgot one category, so if you're a parent, if you're thinking about being a parent, or if you have a parent who maybe needs corrected, There might be something here for you, too. So, take good notes, boys. Um, And be humble. So, uh, yeah, it's been a joy uh, being being with you all. And the theme of of care, caring for one another, and then applying it a little bit to marriage yesterday, and then again to parenting today. So, uh, I'm just going to take about 20 or 30 minutes to give some, some basic principles. There's obviously way more to, to know and understand about how to be a, a godly parent than what we can cover today, but I'm kind of going to give you the highlights of things that, I, that have been uh, most helpful for me, both most helpful for Michelle and I in our own parenting, but also as we've continued to encourage other parents as well. And start with, uh, you know, parenting is hard. Parenting is humbling and sanctifying. So those things are, are never going to change. So just embrace that struggle. That, that is how it is. That's kind of, kind of what reality is in our world. I'm not going to say that's how God's planned it because, of course, it's, it's hard and humbling and sanctifying because we need to be sanctified, which is a product of sin in the world. So, um, and, and yet it's hard, and nobody's going to be a perfect parent. Can we get it right? Mm, yes and no, right? We, we can get it right generally, but we're not going to get it perfect, and uh, we're not... Certainly not perfect parents, and our kids would testify to that. So, um, a quick reminder, I hope it's a reminder, there are some statements in Scripture like Proverbs 22.6 that says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That passage is in the Proverbs, so it's, it's a truism. It's not really a promise. So when we latch on to a verse like that as though it is some kind of absolute promise, if I do this right, my children will be saved and holy and loving, uh, then we're, we're taking uh, something that I think is a truism and turning it into a promise. And that's not, uh, not going to be very hopeful if, if things don't work out as you uh, desire them to. Same for passages like, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. You can lead in that. You can you can guide your children in that and toward that. But um, that's Joshua's declaration of his intention more than it is uh, a promise. So, what is so? I'm gonna have like four broad things I want to talk about. The, the first one is the goal of parenting. Graham gave away a book yesterday called "The Faithful Parent" uh, by Stuart Scott and Martha Peace, and uh, this is where I get this statement of what is the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting is to be faithful to God's Word by His grace and for His glory. That's the goal. It's just to be faithful. Who has God called me to be? What has God called me to do? And we can be faithful to God even if our children are not faithful. Even if, you know, God forbid, our our older children walk away from the Lord, that does not mean that you haven't been faithful. Uh, I mean, there's a sense in which we can be faithful. And again, as I said, always recognize that uh, we're not perfect. 
So faithful doesn't mean perfect. It just means faithful. Faithful to teach, faithful to train, faithful to disciples, uh, to disciple our, our children as much as we can, or as Paul says in Ephesians, to, to bring them up, which we'll look at here in a minute. Um, we just can't make the mistake. So to be faithful means don't, don't make the mistake of thinking the goal is simply to get your children to behave a certain way. You may want that, and that's, it's good to pursue things like that, but you're really trying to help them learn and grow in character, um, which would result in good behavior in, for the most part, but um, don't make the mistake that getting them to behave outwardly the right way is the ultimate goal. That's not the ultimate goal. And we can't make the mistake that the ultimate goal is, is simply to get them to, to believe the right way and, and not really have heart change real heart change that uh, uh, flows out of embracing the gospel because of what you've taught them to believe. So, um, so just, that's just a reminder. The goal is to be faithful to God as a parent. And part of that is, is praying for, for good ends in the life and hearts of your children, that they would be uh, saved and growing, etc. But you can't ultimately control that. You can guide it. You can shape it. You can trained toward it, but you can't ultimately control it. I know, I know plenty of faithful children or faithful parents whose children aren't necessarily walking with the Lord. And frankly, I know a lot of very, very imperfect parents whose children are walking with the Lord, right? So God is sovereign still um, in those things. So that's one thing, the goal of parenting, to be faithful. Um, second, what, as an overarching pattern does the Bible give us for parenting? And I think Deuteronomy 6 is, is kind of the Old Testament version of God's paradigm for parenting, which is really discipleship. I mean, the, the real uh, pursuit of being faithful is, is aiming to disciple our children in the knowledge of God, right? That's the, the aim. And that's how uh, Moses described it in Deuteronomy, or God through Moses, in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 6. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This looks, this kind of training, this teaching our children diligently looks very regular and it looks very thorough it also looks very situational right when i read that when you sit down when you rise up when you walk in the way um and it was probably true in in moses day as people are wandering around the wilderness but even as they were shepherds and agricultural etc in an agrarian society it was probably true that much of the teaching in their day happened in the fields where for us it happens in other contexts, around the dinner table or um, when we're praying with our kids at night or, or whatever. So for them, it was, I think, very situational. And uh, I'd encourage you to think about that. Like, how can I instruct my children in the very situational things of, of life, just everyday life? As I'm cleaning the garage with my 11-year-old son, how am I going to bring God's truth into that conversation that we're having there as we're cleaning the garage how am i going to help him learn uh, to enjoy serving how am i going to help him learn what 
uh, diligence looks like. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might type principles. You know, just teaching them as you go. Paul's instruction in Ephesians also, I think, implies regular and active attention to training our children. It sounds very much like Deuteronomy 6, actually, when you break it down. He said in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So fathers taking the lead, being intentional, uh, taking responsibility there, though uh, on, a, on a practical level we know it's true that mothers do much, uh, much of the training um, in the home with the children, especially when they're very young. He tells fathers, and by implication mothers, not to provoke. And that goes beyond picking fights with our children. I hope you don't pick fights with your children. Um, I've, I mean, yeah, won't talk about my own experiences there. But, um, but I think provocation happens in a lot of ways. We can embitter our children through hypocrisy, right? If we ourselves require things of them that we don't require of ourselves, if we're harsh, if we have arbitrary standards in our home that, they, that aren't clear even why they exist, they're just our preferences and um, they become overbearing to the children. If there's inconsistency in how you enforce the standards that you have or how you enforce them among different children, double standards uh, that you have for them uh, that you don't have for yourself or double standards, you have one standard for one child and another for another that maybe isn't age-driven, uh, um, or just maybe just general failure as a parent can even be provoking, like the absent parent, the absent father, absent mother. So all those things can be matters of provocation. So Paul says, don't provoke them in, in any or every way. And then that phrase, bring them up in the discipline and instruction. The, the, that, that word... Bring them up is a, a present active imperative in the original language. This means what Paul's calling us to do as parents, we're supposed to be doing continually. Be bringing them up would be a better translation. It can't be passive. It's, it's an active thing. So bringing them up isn't, you actually have to be intentional and purposeful. And of course, it's a command. It's in the imperative. It's, it's what we're told we must do, not uh, not a suggestion. So, that needs to, to guide our, our mindset as we just live life every day, trying to raise children, bringing them up continually, actively, and purposefully. In the discipline, which is instruction and discipline in all of its forms. So it's, it's both teaching and it's, um, it's training, having them repeat uh, things, as, as we talked about in one of our sessions uh, on, um, boy, what day was that? They're all running together for me. Um, but it's, it's active training, like teaching our children to say please and thank you. We do that over and over and over and over again until it becomes their character uh, to be uh, grateful. Um, and it includes chastisement and rewards and punishments that all wrapped up in that, that word paideia, that, that discipline word, which is uh, in some translations, I think it's translated uh, different in the teaching or in the admonition. And then the second word, instruction, is, is caring, caringly, lovingly, uh, putting truth into their mind is the idea. It's sometimes translated counseling, admonishing, warning, instructing, but it always implies a caring concern for the person that you're instructing. Um, so 
that's the idea, that we're moving them towards something golly. So that's kind of the design. Again, we could, we could talk for a long time about those things, but I think very actively in the context of everyday life, intentionally training our children, that's what God's called us to do, and be faithful in, in that is the goal. So that's the goal, that's the, the design. Uh, another thing that I've, I've found useful um, I didn't understand this when we were parenting our children. I've learned this uh, since. Um, and it might actually be in The Faithful Parent. I'm not sure if it's in that book, because, but uh, I learned it from a couple in Spokane who learned it from Martha Peace's husband. Martha Peace is one of the co-authors of that parenting book. So, um, But it has to do with privileges and responsibilities. Um, and I want you to to picture a seesaw with privileges on one side and responsibilities uh, on the other side. And as our children grow and mature, um, there's, there's a, we need to balance their privileges and responsibilities. So you give them privileges based on the, the measure to which they're, they themselves are responsible. Right? So you don't give irresponsible children lots of privileges um, uh, that's going to get things kind of kind of out of balance. Um, and I do think that actually starts early. We can give our toddlers too many choices. You give toddlers like four choices for breakfast and send them to the closet to decide what they want to wear today, it's probably not going to go well in the long term. Uh, they're going to grow up thinking they can... They can do and have whatever they want. So we can, we can kind of train their expectations that they have uh, more privileges than we're probably even wanting to give them. We just don't understand that by giving them too many choices when they're young, uh, we're, we're actually uh, inadvertently training them to think they can, they can have what they want. So, but as they get older, of course, they're more responsible. They, they understand that there's a, a certain kind of outfit that they're supposed to maybe pick out on Sunday morning or, or wear to school in a certain kind of outfit that they're not. Um, and, and of course, as they get older, you give them more and more responsibility. So what happens is, uh, and, and there's this balance, right? So if, if a teenager is being very responsible, um, uh, irresponsible, you're not going to be able to give them as many privileges. And if you don't rein in their privileges, their sinful response will usually crash into disrespect. They'll be very disrespectful. And the reason that happens, I think, is because you've given them so many freedoms, so many privileges, that when you try to pull them back, right, they get angry. Why are you doing that now? Right? Again, we've kind of trained them to have an expectation. And so that's why you want to be careful not to give the privileges too soon before they've, they've earned it. Um, but if they're being responsible, then you need to give them more privileges. And if you don't grant them more privileges, if you don't you know, help them get toward the place where they're learning to be more and more uh, responsible with the privileges that you're, you're giving them, they'll typically crash down the other way into resentment. So... Too, too much responsibilities without enough privileges, and they crash into resentment. Because by not giving them the freedoms and privileges when they've earned them, so to speak, uh, they'll get frustrated and resentful, right? They get all, feel like they're all cooped up in terms of 
of how they can, can live their life in terms of not having freedom. So um, there's, there's probably more that could be said about that, um, but um, just, just keep that in mind with you know, n- not enough privileges when they've earned them and they, they will tend toward resentment. Uh, uh, not, uh, too, too many privileges when they haven't earned them and they typically will get disrespectful. And I've seen that bear itself out in um, situations that we've dealt with in the counseling center at Faith Bible Church. So, um, so that's that. So let's take another step with teenagers, because that's where a lot of times the really difficult questions um, pop up. So I, would, I want you to think that, you know, teenage rebellion, that's a common phrase. That's not really a, a biblical category. Uh, it's not a foregone conclusion that children, or, you know, teenagers are, are going to rebel. So we need to get that in mind. I think, though, to avoid something that looks like that, training in biblical wisdom and what the Bible talks about as foolishness and helping kids understand that, that needs to start early. So if you wait to try to teach kids wisdom and foolishness until they're 10, 11, 12, um, then, uh, well, you're behind, I would say. So as they... As, as kids mature, they become smarter. It's true. It's true, isn't it? You guys are way smarter than you used to be, aren't you? So they, they and this is a true thing. So they do, they, they become smarter. They are increasingly convinced that they have the wisdom to make their own choices in life. And therefore, they should have the freedom to make more of their own choices, and they know what they want, and they think they know what is good for them. And there's a sense in which, parents, you want that. Like, you want your children progressing in understanding uh, those things, and you actually want them to learn how to make choices, and you want to kind of shepherd them uh, through choices even sometimes maybe choices that you wouldn't make. And there's, there's various ways you can do that. Um, I, I remember you know, one year we went on a family vacation, and uh, I was like, okay, I, I don't want to be, this was a little bit selfish, but it was also a parenting tool. Um, I don't want to be pestered all the time with my kids saying, Mom, Dad, will you buy me this? Will you buy me that? You know, as we're going around for vacation. So I just gave him a hundred bucks and said, you can spend this on anything you want at any time you want this week. That's your hundred bucks. Don't ask me to buy anything for you. There you go. You, you want a t-shirt, you want a churro, you know, you want a stuffed animal. I don't care. It's, it's for you to decide. Be wise. Be wise in how you use it. If you got questions about whether something is wise, I'm happy to help you think through the wisdom of your potential purchase. And that's what we did. And, you know, our kids were all different. We've got the, our youngest was the little hoarder, you know. <laughs> I still have ninety-seven fifty. Um, and uh, our, our middle child was like, it was gone, you know, like two days in, you know, it was gone. And um, so they were different, and we helped them think through that, you know, but six days later when middle child comes and says, Will you buy me this? I'm like, where's where's the cash? Well, I, I spent it on that giant elephant ear, you know, or whatever it was. 
on the boardwalk. And, and I'm like, well, you, you decided that was the, the wise choice. You decided that was the thing you wanted. So there you go. Um, so, but in doing that, we, we were actually wanting to help them, right? So it wasn't just to avoid being pestered, um, though I may have had that secondary motive um, it really was to try to help them learn what does it look like to be responsible with a little money in my hand. And so we used that tool a number of years on vacation that I thought was, was helpful. But um, what our children do, though, is they reach a point where some of the choices they want to make are, are not choices either that we, we think are wise. Um, and you do sometimes have to step in and, and say, eh, this is where I draw the line. Do that lovingly. Try to help them understand um, help them understand the difference between a wise want and a foolish want, or a wise choice and a foolish choice. That's, that's really the goal, I think, is t- training them from the, from the Scripture to think carefully about those things so that they'll both desire and choose the right things. Um, it is right and good for young people to desire and to develop a growing independence. Uh, but that means you, as a parent, are going to have to figure out how to help them do that wisely um, and in a, in a way that keeps them out of jail. No, that's, that's the extreme example. Um, but help them do that wisely. And, and we, you know, we, often, we, we often thought, we lived in Vermont, no one goes to college in Vermont. They're, they have a few colleges, but you would not want to go there as a Christian um, so we knew our kids are going to grow up and go off to college. If I don't prepare them to make wise decisions for themselves in college, I'm not going to be there to help them. So we gave our kids probably more privileges than the average parent when they were teenagers so that we could teach them, so that we could speak into their lives, so that we could... Um, point out their mistakes in a loving way and help them learn from those mistakes. So um, you, you, every, every parent has to decide, you know, where is that line? What is that point, right? Um, in general, uh, you know, I would, I would say most parents give their kids phones way too soon. That's probably one, one thing that just um, needs to happen. They're, is there a line? I'm not going to tell you that the, the line is 10 or 12 or 14 or 16 or, or when they went off to college. Um, you, can, you can talk about what's wise for your children in your home and recognize that wisdom does not come from all of my friends have one. <laughs> right? My daughter didn't get her first smartphone. My oldest didn't get her first smartphone until she was in college. Um, so... Um, so that's there. So those are just some broad principles. Uh, parents, man, the Proverbs are so useful to you in this end. Um, uh, Michelle was so faithful to our kids when they were in the homeschooling phases of their life to read a chapter of Proverbs with them every day and talk about them. That was part of just the regular schedule with the kids when they were home. And uh, that was so very useful. Um, and to this day, our kids will pop off proverbs you know in in conversation so they weren't memorizing it they were just just reason, reading it so 
Um, yeah, so those are just some general things. Um, again, that's not a parenting class. It's just to throw out some principles there, maybe to spur on some questions, and we'll take the, the rest of the time to, to answer some questions. So just a background, um, uh, Michelle and I have three adult children and six grandchildren. Um, our oldest is 30. Our youngest is 22. And they're spread out all over the country now. Um, and, uh, and we're going to have our friends, Brian and Kathy Yates, join us. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Um, so here we go. Brian and Kathy, could you yeah. introduce yourselves a little bit, sure. a little bit about your life and family? Yeah, we'll be brief on the intro so we can get to questions. But Brian and Kathy, we have two adult children, 26, 27. They grew up in Spokane, Washington with us. We are, we're members of Faith Bible Church. We moved to Reno recently and are members of Living Hope there. Uh, we've known the Sarahs for, I think, the whole time they've been in nine Spokane, years. which is nine years. And uh, Corey for getting close to 30, but maybe 20 seven years, and are friends with his, uh, both his parents and his in-laws, Laura's parents, close friends. So um, that's our brief history, and I'll leave it at that for now. Great. Uh, by the way, we did not put my number on the screen. Someone said, you probably don't want to do that because then the whole world will have it, even though we don't have the whole world watching our live stream necessarily. But uh, if you don't have my number, you can borrow it from a friend. Probably someone is sitting near me. I don't have any questions that have come in yet, so I know you're just waiting. Um, but you can send in your questions, okay? But I've got some questions as well. Uh, oh, uh, also, just a quick quick thing. We have some copies of that book that Brian mentioned, uh, A Faithful Parent by Stuart Scott and Martha Peace. And there's actually a couple brothers who are going to come down and, and hand those out. So uh, we kind of have enough for one, one per household, at least I hope so. So um, if you don't have that book, Houston and Corey and Phil are, are passing it out. Um, so just... Raise your hand, and they'll, they'll get you one of those books. Okay, great resource. Laura and I have read it. It's encouraging, helpful. Um, there we go. So grab a copy of that and be, be encouraged by that. You could read that with a, a friend, read that with someone in the church, or read through it as a couple, and uh, that'll be a blessing to you. I don't know. I like that book because yeah. it gives uh, basic principles and tools for every stage of life. For every stage of parenting, from mm-hmm. really young kids to older kids, and uh, that makes it really useful. Um, other recommendations that I would give for uh, parenting books: the uh, Ted Tripp's "Shepherding a Child's Heart" is a great book. Um, Lou Priolo's mm-hmm. "Teach Them Diligently" I think is really valuable in terms of how to communicate biblical principles to the heart of your child. Um, you, you, uh, if you were here yesterday and you heard me teach on the sufficiency of Scripture and, and the Scripture is useful for uh, teaching, conviction, correction, and training in righteousness, he takes those four useful aims of the Scripture and applies them to parenting. That's, That's the, really the whole book, and it's super, super helpful. Uh, for teenagers, Age of Opportunity by Paul Tripp. Um, is also very helpful to understand how to speak to the heart of your teenager. And if your teenager's already starting to go off the rails a little bit and you find yourself with a lot of tension in your home with your teenager, uh, Rick Horn, uh, with an E, has a book called 
get out get out of my face. <laughs> mm, very inviting. It, it's yeah, it's it's spelled just like it sounds. Get out of my face. Um, and uh, that's where I get that phrase "wise once" that I used. I, l- I learned that from him. That's good. And uh, we we read that when we were in the throes of it with our oldest, um, who we had a little bit of tension with, and it, and it was super helpful to to learn not only what wise wants were, but one overarching principle of don't take it personally. Our, you know what? Your child is a human being who's answering to God, and you're teaching him what you believe is right and true, but our children are not going to adopt all of our values. And that music that sounds so awful to you is not generally being listened to because they're trying to make a point. They actually like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> they like that music. And it's never the music that the previous generation enjoys. Mm. Um, that's just one kind of trite example but it's yeah. the same thing with um all kinds of other things they do those things you just try to help them be wise but don't take it personally if they don't share your opinion about everything it's good okay some questions are coming in here so and, and uh michelle and kathy would love for you guys to be chiming in as well so um uh so here's a question strategies to use with children who stubbornly break rules no matter the consequences. So it doesn't matter. You could be, you know, it doesn't matter what the consequences. They are stubborn. Encouraging helpful strategies for training those children who, who break the rules stubbornly. Did you ever have any stubborn kids? Don't all jump at one yeah, time. Yeah. I'll, I'll share just a little bit. We, we uh, did not have that child. Uh, well, to some degree, our, our daughter, when she was young, was, was uh, more so than our son. I, I think keeping the goal in sight is the, the main thing. You are trying to exemplify Christ. You're trying to reach their heart, and their heart may be very hard to reach uh, in that scenario. Um, you're trying to, uh, as you represent Christ, be humble and gentle in spirit, and yet you have a, um, a requirement to show them authority as well so that they can see uh, and survive the world, honestly, but, but they can see Christ uh, as our King and as our Lord. So um, that's just giving some principles. I'm going to leave it to my wife, who's a biblical counselor, to give... No, I'm sorry. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll pass the mic. But just remember that they, they do need to learn authority, and it will be much... It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long haul. It's going to be a, mm. a long road for some. We had a, a friend uh, and his wife who had a child, and they were just gentle, gentle, sweet saints. Um, and uh, they had a son that defied them from age two, and kept it up into college, and finally his heart broke for Christ. So be persistent, pray a lot, be humble, um, don't be afraid to share the battle with others uh, around you, because mm-hmm. every child has a unique personality, and some are amazingly stubborn. Yeah, that's really good. Any other thoughts on that? It's good. It's helpful, Brian. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, again, if the, our goal is to be faithful, yeah. then I want to I continue to teach them, do not be deceived. Uh, God is not mocked. You'll reap what you sow. So um, they may continue to do it despite the consequences, but whatever you deem is a wise consequence, mm-hmm. whether it's chastisement when they're really young or taking away privileges as they get older, just continuing to help them see that sin has consequences yeah. um, and do it, do it lovingly. 
and, and don't make the mistake that I hear parents often make is, I've tried that, it doesn't work. Mm. And, and that's where I think understanding the goal is so helpful. God doesn't tell me to, yeah. to train up my children if it works. He tells me to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, mm. and, um, and I need to be faithful in that, whether I, I see it working or not, because God's going to ask me, why did you stop? Yeah. Why did you stop? That's really good. That's good. Yeah, we want we want to even hear in our parenting, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, not not good and perfect parent. Right. But having been faithful. Yeah, that's good. Uh here here's a question that I think is is really uh on you know, we I'm a young parent. So what challenges do you see younger parents facing today that were not challenges when raising your kids, or maybe that look a little different today than when you were raising kiddos? And they've all raised their kids, if they didn't already say that. Uh, so they're all adults. They're all grown. And, and um, some are believing. Some are not believing. And that's helpful for us. So maybe we can talk about that in a little bit as well. But what challenges are unique maybe today that you weren't facing 20, 15, 20 years ago? Um, I think for us it was helpful to have the church uh, and to raise our kids with. So you guys are in... Um, probably at an advantage to a lot of people in the world right now raising kids. And um, <clears throat> my peers were very committed uh, families, not just the, the women, but the husbands and wives were very committed to training their kids similarly. So that was very helpful. Um, but I think now it might be tempting for people to look online for um, advice about parenting or discipline or sleep um, training, and so then um, there's also this temptation to compare and um, feel that you're always falling short and then question your ability to parent. So I think, I really do think that the availability of the internet and information that is sometimes helpful, but generally I would call worldly wisdom, um, and, and being able to, dis- to discern between those things, I think that's a big challenge. Mm. That's really interesting. It's like uh, the, the availability, the accessibility of many, many more resources, uh, that's not necessarily bad, but if it's replacing godly wisdom, seeking help with it in the church from older saints, that could be a real, a real danger. That's really interesting. And just a brief ad, I think that's great, Hun, is um, beware of trends. Uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing truly new under the sun, and there isn't. There are, there are great ideas, but, but really your, your main research should be the scriptures. Um, Deuteronomy, we quoted earlier, but there's multiple uh, parenting advice uh, sections in Deuteronomy. The last one I remember is from uh, 32, where Moses sings a song uh, of instruction, and, and he finishes by saying, these are your... These words are not mere words. They are your life. And, and really help your kids to see that and live that yourself, I think. But, but beware of trends. We've been through them. We fell for a few. Um, and the trends may be on the Internet. That's really good. Michelle, did you have something to add there? Yeah, I was just going to add that um, I'm seeing in a lot of young moms, especially young families, a fear of painful, appropriate discipline. Um, um, did you say painful, appropriate discipline? Yes, okay. I did. Okay. Just make sure. <laughs> when I they're that. young, especially, um, just too many words, a lot of talking to your two-year-old, um, 
and not I, I'm I'm I don't think you should ever be harsh, but firm and kind can go together. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of young moms think that they can't, and they can. <laughs> um, and I'm sure I sinned in being too harsh many times. So if I were to go back and get a redo, which you do not, um, gentle but yet firm, um, I think is God's way. Um, and to look to God, to, to look to trust his word, to, um, to examine your methods because God's method is, is perfect. We, we might not get it right all the time, but that's our goal. That's really helpful. And, and that is one of the questions I kind of had generally in a little bit if if we get there, you know, is there, is there anything that looking back, you go, ah, I wish I could do that over and that would be a good help for us. So, okay, l- l- let's go there. So, so yes, just one, one thing. Is there one thing? It could be four, but I think, um, I think, uh, looking back, if we could have a redo, it would be, um, just really thinking about where their heart is and where their love for Christ is as the, as uh, the, the preeminent goal behavior, especially early on becomes a big focus. Comparison is real. And you know, we want our kids to sit quietly in church, just like the Dirks's kids do. And, <laughs> and the Millikens, um, but, but to really examine crying. their heart and, and not stop doing that when you get close to the launching phase, whatever that may be, whether it's college, um, but just to continue to investigate where their heart is and, and let them speak and have a safe place to express doubts, to express fears, uh, to express, anything anger at times um but i like gentleness i'll say that one more time that really is key and you know there's a lot of scriptures that that speak about parenting that don't say parents like speaking the truth in love and sometimes we think that doesn't apply because we've got to get this done Uh, anyhow yes mike Not to someone else. good yeah we're not perfect parents but god god designed that relationship specifically yeah thank you mike it's really good thank you yeah so other things that you might you could go back and go i i would i would do this a little differently um i I think that um, we need to remember that if works uh don't save us then our works can never save our kids Mm. And I think when we parent and we think that we're parenting the right way or according to someone's tested and tried methods, even when we're parenting biblically, um, we think that what we do is going to determine their salvation. And I'm so sorry. If and when you have a child that rebels and, and doesn't want that for their life, it's devastating because it's tempting to think that it is your fault. Did you did you say if works don't save us, our works can't save our kids? Yeah. Our works can't save our kids. I'm not on Twitter, but that would be a retweet or something. Is that a thing? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not either. 
Yeah, that's really helpful, Kathy. Really good. Okay, um, good. We'll just we'll just keep going into the church hour for this. This will be great. Uh, here's a question from um, there's a question from someone who's uh, not married or a parent. So we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, here's a I think will be a helpful one. How can those of us childless couples, whether by choice or infertility uh, issues, be a support to families around us? So I know that's kind of a packed question, but how can those of us uh, childless couples, whether by choice or infertility, infertility issues, be a support to families around us? I think that's a really servant-hearted question. Any thoughts on that? Well, I have a microphone. Yeah, you do. Yep. Special. I mean, just uh, loving them and serving them, give them a date night is awesome. I'll bet every family with young kids would, would love for uh, a couple who wants to have input into kids' lives and, and serve them. That would be great. Or you can get involved in the children's ministry or the youth Amen. ministry and discipling kids. I'm going to mention it in my sermon uh, this morning, but I'll, I'll mention it here too. Like, all three of our children had mentors or counselors that were not us from our local churches, and Excuse and me. the impact that those older um, folks had on our kids is immeasurable. I mean, it's just they were able to impact them and speak truth into their lives in a way that we could not. And so you could be that person for another family where you're mentoring them. And it, sometimes it was in terms of counseling. Um, other, like my son, there were three men at the church that took him under his wing and taught him how to hunt and took him out. I mean, an older guy actually sat in his gun safety class with him because I was too busy <laughs> in ministry to, to actually sit in with him in the gun safety classes. Old old guy's like, I'll take him. And then he taught him how to hunt and everything. So I, I love hunting too, but I didn't have the gear or the time really to do it. And this these three guys, were he was just their, their, little, their little buddy. That's really good. Michelle. Can I just add that um, the mindset of you need each other. Um, so you're needed and they need you and vice, yeah. That's good. Someone, uh, someone asked, "Can I call dibs on the date night?" Someone just texted that in. So, <laughs> so see, see Neil, Neil Wilkendorf. Uh, he's looking for a date night with Jim Connecting or with Tara. There, right so. now. Yeah. Yeah. I had a young, mo- young, not mom, young single gal when our kids were little in seminary, and mm. when we didn't have family around, or and she was an invaluable resource, and I so loved cool. her. We had a great relationship. We had like a little kind of mentor discipleship relationship as well. And she loved to mm. watch my kids and, and that was such a huge, huge help to me. That's really good. Really good. Okay. Uh, we'll keep cruising here. Um, date night dibs. Yeah. Yeah. I got that one. Uh, what about spanking? That's the question. <laughs> Talk about it. Who drew the short straw again? I can't. Yeah, I think it was Brian. I'm going to let Brian answer primarily. It was but, Brian. Um, but we have we have some directives oh, to discipline our kids uh, from the proverbs of all places and and others too, and and to display authority. I, I'm going to say one thing, and I'll pass it to Brian. One is um, I, I think of Galatians six. We need to be really careful about our own self because we're going to often feel offended for God when our kids sin. So. Uh, Galatians 6 is not a parenting verse, but it says, if anyone is caught in sin, go to them and gently restore them. But first, what? 
Examine yourselves and make sure and make sure you're ready to do that too. So never, never, ever, ever in anger. That would be my my one thing, and I'll pass it to Brian. Yeah, yeah. It, I I would say start there. Um, and and so if you find that you are angry, and you you believe that your child needs to be spanked, I would deal with your anger first. Like have the child go to their room or wherever and deal with your anger first. Don't. Don't say, just because I'm angry, um, I need to set aside a, a biblical principle. Um, you should just deal with your anger first. And you're all grown up. You should be able to do that in 10 minutes with humble confession and prayer um, and asking the Lord to, Lord's Spirit to give you that, that gentleness and love and self-control that you need. And, and He will do that. So, um, Could you talk a little bit about... Uh, we, I mean, we live in California, right? So, so um, well, there's a lot to say there. And, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit, that, that pain in the world, pain is bad. All pain is bad. So whatever you can do to mitigate that, get rid of that, sh- get it out of your life, that's the goal. Uh, why, is, why, why is physical pain as a f- form of discipline even important? And why should we even think about that as a category for discipline in our parenting? Yeah, first of all, one of the reasons people think pain is a bad thing and we should not have any is because they weren't spanked. Mm. Yeah, right. Um, keep, keep the applause down there. Yeah. We don't want the cops showing up or anything. Um, but again, God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. Mm. Don't be deceived. Sin has consequences. And part of what a spanking does is reminds children in a very tangible way that the consequences of sin are painful. Um, and while it's true, there, there, there are those exceptional kids that are stubborn enough to experience that pain and, and not seem to be impacted by it. I believe they are being impacted by it um, in ways that we can't measure. So I say just be, be faithful in that, to do it lovingly, always with instruction, always addressing the heart issue, Always asking, training, teaching your child to confess their sin to you and those they've sinned against and reconciling. Spankings uh, should end with a hug and an embrace and a I forgive you. And so if, if it's done right um, and, and you're patient enough with it, then you know when you come out of the bedroom or the bathroom or wherever you are, people will see a happy child. And I think that was... You know, yeah. uh, Michelle's parents in particular didn't like that we disciplined our children. But over time, they were like, I can't really argue with the impact that it's having. And I don't really understand how you can spank a kid and have them, like, all happy when they mm-hmm. come out of the room. Um, they didn't really understand that at first. And, but you just you do it. Do it and it takes more time. The spanking isn't just, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get it out of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get this over with. Right. Um, if you do it well, you got to instruct them, and it takes time. Just take that time. That is, yeah. I I do think having something other than your hand, because God's word talks about the rod. Yes. And to not fear that you don't want to injure, but it does need to be painful. It needs to sting. <laughs> it needs to sting hard. <laughs> um. God tells us, right, folly is bound up, and the rod drives it from him. And Mm. when we don't use the rod, we 
hate our child. That's what God tells us. So we know there's a form of love there that is painful, but God chastises us, right? We experience pain, and it teaches us. It teaches. Yeah. Um, yes, be careful. Uh, don't injure, but find something that stings. Mm-hmm. And Hebrews tells us that if a father doesn't discipline his son, you know that that father doesn't love his son. And so my, my kids, by God's grace, know that when we've come out of the room and we've prayed together and we've reminded ourselves of our need for the gospel and we're hugging and maybe I've tickled them and we've, you know, things are sweet, they know. And it's not because I brainwashed them to say, Daddy loves you. You know, you know I love you. Why, why do we discipline? Well, because you love us. If I didn't, what would you also know? Well, that you don't love me. So there has to be that, that tenderness there that is a reflection of, of the Father's love for us, the way he disciplines us. So that's really helpful, Michelle. Brian, uh, oh, Dad, one, just their, their souls and maybe their physical lives mm-hmm. are at stake. Their, your discipline, and it's not going to always take the form of corporal. It may take the form of other, but their, their lives are at stake. Yeah. Um, folly is bound up. They will do foolish things, and they'll continue to do them if we don't correct and redirect in in the form of discipline that is appropriate to the offense. Yeah, and just a caution, I'm sure you know, but um, uh, foolish, is it childish versus Mm. foolish, Mm -hmm. right? Like, just might just be a childish thing. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean that's... Spilled the milk over on accident. Yeah, right. Yeah. Our kids need to know that outlets are bad if not used properly, and they're not for kids. Yeah, don't touch. I think, I mean, that's a simple example, but that really their physical safety is, is at stake, and then the, more importantly, their souls. That's good. Okay, uh, this one hits home. It will in ways for all of us, but how do you minister to a professing teen uh, that finds themselves becoming bitter and disheartened because of suffering and trials? And And then maybe, you know, if there's time, we've got a couple minutes here, but... Help, helping encouraging parents who are, are uh, walking with older children who are not walking with the Lord and giving them some hope and encouragement. So first, uh, how do you minister to a professing teen that find, professing as a believer teen that finds themselves becoming bitter and disheartened because of suffering and trials? And then, so let's start there. I, I think you minister to the teen the same way you minister to your own heart. Mm. Like life is hard and, and uh, how do we... Where's God in this? Mm. That's the most important question. What is God teaching you? And, um, and how's God trying to grow you and teach you humility? So it's, it's discipleship. That's, a, that's the why you walk in the way, you know, when you sit down, when you rise up kind of teaching that I think is ideal. So um, the, the trials and suffering of a teenager are unique to them. Um, and so I think it's really important that you listen <clears throat> and allow conversation with them. Um, I know that when my kids were young, I did a lot of teaching and a lot of talking when we'd be in the car and driving and pointing things out and noticing behavior and, you know, correcting. Um, at a certain point, moms need to stop talking so much to their, especially their sons when they get older. And... <clears throat> Let dad do more talking. Let dad be the one who teaches and encourages them. Um, But you do need to be a listener and find out what are these trials and don't dismiss them just because you're an adult and you can see clearly looking back that they will survive that. Um, Because teenagers' um, trials that they are going through right now are 
maybe different from what you've experienced, but they're very real. And a lot of them are experiencing similar things. That's good. Okay. Can I, can we do rapid fire, like 10 second answers? Grandparents role in regards to helping parents, disciplining grandchildren, not overstepping. Talk about being a grandparent, grandparent for 10 seconds. Love and serve them and bite your tongue. Okay. Can the kids tell the grandparents, mom and dad can just lay off? Uh, yes. They can try. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. There's, there's lots more questions here, but uh, this, is, this has been really helpful. I Thank have you a book so much. called Help on Being Manipulated, which is often how it feels in those situations. Yeah. So there's really good strategies in there, actually, that you can yeah. use if you're having disagreements and conflicts about stuff like that. I was going to give a little plug for a book that Brian wrote. It's called Help on Being Manipulated, uh, but Brian did it for me. We can easily manipulate our own kids. Don't do that or else I will do this. But we don't actually have any intention to do that. We just don't want them to do the thing they're going to do. And that is not a godly way to get someone to do what they should do or what we want them to do. And it's been helpful for me as I think through, okay, what are some, what are some really evil practices in my own heart of, of twisting and manipulating my little kids, right, my little children to do what I want because they're an inconvenience to me or whatever it is. So um, a little tiny helpful little book. So big books, sometimes scary little books, really helpful. Help, I'm being manipulated, so you could pick that up. Okay, uh, we need to be done, but Brian, looks well, like... Just one thing for fathers, I, and Brian alluded to this. Um, fathers ultimately are responsible to ensure that parenting is being done according to the scriptures. And I would mm. say we, as a, as a gender, are, are more prone to sins of omission than commission. Mm. You will never regret the time you invested in parenting the right way. You will regret uh, the times that you chose other things over your kids. So um, it's, a, it's a long journey. God's taken us through it to humble us and to show us that we don't live by bread alone, but we live by every word mm. from the Father. So uh, fathers, take a leading role. If you don't know how to do that, get help. You've got lots of resources. Amen. Good word to end on. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we have great comforting words uh, in John 17. Jesus, you said, I am praying for them. And you're praying for us right now. Uh, you are interceding on our behalf, and we confess we need your help. Parents, uh, kids, grandparents, all of us, we desperately need and want your help that we would be sanctified in our parenting and in our families. Uh, God, thank you for what you are doing in our midst. Thank you for our, our church and all the ways that you're growing us. Would you help us to continue to persevere as we've been encouraged to uh, this morning? So thank you, and we bless you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.